Welcome to the Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. This simple, scripturally sound preaching and teaching of the Word of God will direct you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Follow the Shepherd's Voice into the green pastures that God has purposed for you. There, you'll find rest for your soul and the fulfilled Christian experience you crave. God bless you as you listen. Praise the Lord, everybody. God bless you. Give Jesus a mighty hand clap. That's not a mighty hand clap. Hallelujah. God is good. And all the time. Are you happy to be here today? And we want to say welcome to those who are watching us on Facebook. It's a private group um, broadcast. And we are happy to have all of you. Now, this is the times of restoration. Coming from the Shepherd's Fold Restoration family. From the beautiful Shy Hills in the greater Accra region of Ghana. Now, Jesus Christ, the great shepherd, is the shepherd of this flock. He is our shepherd, and we know that because he is, we shall not want. We believe that as we lift up the name of Jesus, our needs will be met, our problems will be solved, lives will be restored, souls will be won to the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. So that is our mission, that is our mandate. And thank God for all of you who are members, who are partners, who are friends of this ministry. I believe that God is taking us somewhere. I know that it's not of him that willeth, neither is it of him that runneth, but it is of the Lord who showeth mercy. And I believe that what God has determined to do, no one can stop it and no one can prevent it from happening. Hallelujah. God bless you. Bow down your hearts and let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are grateful to you for today. We present ourselves into your hands and we submit ourselves to the authority of your word. That is the word that is about to come forth. Your word brings life. It brings strength. It brings comfort. It brings hope. And this morning, as we prepare our hearts and we prepare our minds to hear your word and to receive it. alive and to be quickened unto your people. Yes. There is a purpose for which you are sending that word. Yes. Let that purpose be achieved and accomplished. Jesus name. And when we are set to live here today, may we know that we've received the living word of God yes, and we've Lord. had a nice encounter with you. Yes, Lord. I commit myself into your hands and I ask that you use me today Jesus. in Jesus' mighty name. And let everybody say Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Turn your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we're reading from verse number 11. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Reading from verse number 11. We're reading verse 11 and verse 12.
It says, Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded. Everybody say, I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. Say it again. I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. Say it for the last time. I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. He says, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Amen. Now, these are the words that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, who was his son in the ministry. And he recommends Timothy. He assures him that he's praying for him. He recommends the faith that he has. He encourages him to stir up the gifts of God in him. He assures him that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Then he goes ahead to explain the challenges and the tribulations and the, and the struggles that he's been going through. He explains to Timothy that as he's writing to him now, he is in prison. Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter to Timothy. And he explained that he's in prison because of the work and the assignment that God had given to him. He explained that he's an apostle, he's a preacher, and he is a teacher to the Gentiles. Because Paul's assignment was particularly to the Gentile nations. And then he gets to this point and he says to Timothy that I have suffered a lot of things because of this work that God has given me to do. Then he says that nevertheless I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. And then he, he, he uses a certain phrase that I want you to take note of. He says, and I'm persuaded. And I'm persuaded. He says, I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Can you say again with me, I am persuaded. I am persuaded. One more time, I am persuaded. I am persuaded. Turn to another opening of scripture, Romans chapter 8, reading from verse 31. Romans 8, 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. I want you to understand that Jesus is interceding for you. In other words, he's saying some for you. 
Have you ever been in a time of your life where you can't find anybody to say anything for you? To put in a word or two on your behalf. But I want you to be of good cheer. Your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, His present day ministry is to be at the right hand side of the Father Almighty. And the Bible says, He ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. I want you to understand that lawyer Jesus himself is dealing with your case. Amen. And because he's such a good lawyer, you'll be justified at the end of the day. Amen. May every charge and every accusation against you be eliminated by the defense of lawyer Jesus himself. Amen. Shall I receive it? I receive it. Mm. He said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter nay everybody say nay, nay. say it again nay nay in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, notice what he says here in verse 39. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, I am persuaded. I am persuaded. Hello. All right. Say it again. Persuaded. All right. Now, so you will notice that in the letter to Timothy, Paul uses that expression, I am persuaded. And then also, in his message to the church in Rome, he also uses that expression, I am persuaded. What does it mean to be persuaded? To be, pers to be persuaded means to be convinced. To be convinced. To be persuaded means to be convinced. Number two. It means to have an inward certainty. To have an inward certainty. And so when you are persuaded... There is something you have in the inside of you that makes you very sure about things. Number three, to be persuaded means to believe. To believe. Number four, to be persuaded means to have confidence. To have confidence. 
And number five, to be persuaded means to be won over. So, when somebody says, I persuaded him, what he's trying to say is that I won him over. So, again, five definitions I've given you for what it means to be persuaded. What is the first one? To be convinced or to have a conviction. And so when you have a conviction or you are convinced about something, then we say that you are persuaded. What's the second definition? To have an inward certainty. In the inside of you, you are sure and you are certain. Number three, to believe. To be persuaded means to believe. So anytime somebody says, I believe, what the person is saying is that I am persuaded. Number four, to have confidence. To have confidence. When you are persuaded about something, there's a certain confidence that you have. And it is not easy to to shift you. And then the last one, to be won over. Amen. Now, Generally speaking, I have come to see that to be effective in something that you set out to do or to be successful in any area of pursuit, you need to be persuaded. Having in mind all these different definitions I've given you, that means that you need to be convinced or to have a conviction. Anything that you're doing, Anything that you've set up for yourself to do, there is a certain persuasion that you need to have in the inside of you. You have to be convinced about that thing. You need to have an inward certainty about it. You need to believe. You need to have confidence. And you need to be won over. Hallelujah. Your persuasion is like an inward force. That drives you. So that anything that you're trying to do, you do it well or you give it your best shot. People who are persuaded about something, there is a way they go about that thing. When there is a persuasion or a conviction, they go all out. I said they go all out. And so anything that you set out to do and anything that you want to accomplish in this life, there is a certain persuasion that you must have. And I want to say to you that when it comes to God, serving God, when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to your relationships, when it comes to anything that you are involved in there is something that you must have in the inside of you that will help you to do whatever you are doing well or that will help you to relate with whoever in the correct way and that thing is that you must be persuaded somebody say persuaded say it again persuaded in 2008 The whole world woke up to a very shocking piece of news. That for the very first time in the history of the United States of America, a black man 
had become the president of the most powerful nation in the world. It was a shocker. Nobody ever imagined or dreamt that Akwa Tuntumbi ebe to me ebe di omampeni in a country like America. It was a shocker. And people couldn't believe it. People couldn't imagine that something like this could happen in their lifetime, but it happened. And this black man, he campaigned with a simple slogan. And the slogan that he campaigned with was, yes, we can. That's all. It wasn't a slogan like, power to the people. What other slogans do you know about? Which one? All die be die. Boot for boots. That's not what he campaigned with. It was a simple statement. It was a simple slogan. And all he said was, yes, we can. That simple statement caught on. And ordinary people became convinced and became persuaded that we can actually follow this black man. And witness in our lifetime something that we've never seen before. He didn't have a lot of rich people funding him and supporting him. Because most political parties have rich people who fund a lot of the things that they do. If you take Ghana politics, if you don't have these rich people, you can never win. So sometimes I feel sorry for those people who don't have much. But you are there now, then they say that they also want to be president in Ghana. Your money will finish because it's not an easy thing to win. To stand for political power and to win. It's not an easy thing. The name of this man was Barack Obama. And he stood on the ticket of the Democrats against the Republicans. He didn't have a lot of powerful rich people backing him. But he had a lot of ordinary folks whom he appealed to. And when he went with them with this slogan, yes we can, that entire nation was turned upside down. The people bought into that slogan and they were persuaded. They were what? Persuaded. And out of that persuasion, he galvanized a lot of ordinary people. They gave $5, $10, $20. A lot of them. And what you have to realize is that when you have a lot of people giving $5, $10, and you put it together, it's quite a lot of money. And that is what he fell upon to finance his campaign. The power of persuasion. And what that should tell you, my friends, is that when you are persuaded or you are convinced about something, there is very little that can stop you. And there's nothing that when you set out in front of you to do, you cannot do it. Remember that one of the definitions of to be persuaded is to believe. And to believe is to have faith. Hallelujah. 
And so in this life, in your relationship with God, in your service to God, to do with spiritual things, to do with anything you are trying to achieve and, 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 and accomplish in your life, one of the things you need to be able to succeed and do well is to be persuaded. Somebody shout again and say, persuaded. There are 10 persuasions that I want to charge you to have. 10 of them. Finish and then we close. It's a simple message. 10 persuasions that you must have in this life. Number one. You must be persuaded about God. You must be persuaded about God and everything you have committed unto him or everything we've committed unto him. So 10 persuasions we must have. Number one, we must be persuaded about God and everything that we have committed to him. We write it in 2 Timothy 1, 11 to 12. I read it again. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. In other words, what he was saying was that I am persuaded about the God that I have chosen, that I have committed my all unto him. And he says, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Give it to me in the New Living Translation. He says, that is why I am suffering here in prison. But I'm not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I trust. In other words, I am persuaded about him. And I am sure that he is able. So you see that word, I am sure. Which means I am persuaded. That he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Ladies and gentlemen, the first persuasion that you must have in this life must be about God. You must be convinced about the God whom you've decided to serve. You must be convinced about Jesus. You must be so certain about your God and so convinced about him that nothing can take you away from him. Good times may come. Bad times may arise. But if you are persuaded about your God, nothing should be able to take you away from him. Can I have an amen from somebody? There are times when you bump into some Christians whom you realize that their faith in God has been shaken. Their commitment to God has been affected. Because of a certain situation that they are going through. There are some people who have begun to doubt whether God is there. And whether God is real. And whether God is actually looking out for them. Because certain expectations have not been met. Because certain prayers have not yet been answered. Certain doors that you've knocked on over and over and over again have not opened. Your marital situation has not changed. 
your childlessness situation has not changed. The job breakthrough has not yet happened. The financial door that you were praying and asking God to open hasn't yet opened. You trusted him for healing but you are getting more sick. And you can get to a point where you begin to doubt even the very existence of God and whether everything that you've committed unto him he's able to handle. Because you've committed your life to him. You've committed your future to him. You've committed your allegiance and your dedication to him. But like the apostle Paul, I want you to arrive at a point in your life where you say, I know whom I have believed in. I know whom I have believed in. Yes, I am in prison. Why am I here? Because I want to serve God. Is that the reward for serving God that here I am in prison? And from the way things are going, it looks as if it won't be long. I'll be made to stand before the, 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 the king and I can easily lose my life. At the point, Paul knew that he would lose his life. Yet he says, I know whom I have believed. And I'm saying to you, be persuaded about the God that you're serving. Be persuaded about this Jesus who gave his life for you. Be persuaded that he has not come into your life to cause you to experience loss, but to experience gain. Because even when you are weak, then you are strong. Even when you are poor, then you are rich. Be persuaded about him. Be persuaded that he is in control of your life and every situation concerning it. Yes, you may be going through some stormy times. Yes, a certain situation you were expecting him to turn around, it hasn't yet happened. But you must not lose your conviction and your persuasion in God. And I want you to believe that everything you've entrusted unto him and everything you've committed unto him, he has a good hold on it. He has control over it. And he will come through for you. I said he will come through for you. I said he will come through for you. The Holy Spirit just reminded me of the three Hebrew boys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here they were in danger of losing their lives. By a very terrible means. What was their charge? The king had made a golden image of himself. And had given an instruction that when the trumpet is blown, everybody in the kingdom was supposed to stop everything that they were doing and bow prostrate before that image. That was the instruction. But this guy said, we shan't. We won't do it. We won't. And their enemies were spying them. May every enemy spying you, looking for something to use against you, may that enemy be disappointed in the name of Jesus. May their expectations come to naught in the name of Jesus. 
May you escape every trap that they set for you. And may Jehovah God, the one in whom you have believed, may he fight all your battles for you. Shout and receive it three times. Two. Three. Clap your hands and bless the name of the Lord. They were arrested and brought before the king. And the king said, oh, I know that you guys, you woke up on the wrong side of the bed today. You know, things were a little somewhere. That's why you didn't obey that. But no problem. I'll give you another opportunity. Let's do a reset right now. The first time you failed. But this time, I'm sure that you'll pass it. No problem. When you hear the trumpet, just bow. That's all. And then this situation will be over. To the shock of the king, their response was, Papa, <laughs> we, we, we don't even have to think twice about what answer to give to you. They said, we shan't. And they explained to the king that the God we serve, we know him. And we are persuaded that he is able to save us and deliver us from your hand, O king. But I am so overwhelmed when I think about the other thing that they said. And they said, even if he does not. We will still not bow. In other words, what they were explaining to the king is that our persuasion about our God and our conviction about our God is so extreme that what he does or what he doesn't do does not change our stance. Somebody shout and say, I am persuaded. Say it again, I am persuaded. And that is the point that you and I have to come to. Don't let anything shake you. Don't let any bad news disturb you. Don't let any unfulfilled dreams take you off course and make you change your mind about God. I know you've been praying about certain things for a long time. And it looks like certain blessings are a long time coming in your life. But that said the spirit of the Lord to you today. Remain convinced about the God in whom you have believed. And know that no matter what you go through. He is God. And there is no place for argument. As we sang in the song. Somebody shout and say amen. And I want you to believe that everything that you have committed unto him, he will take care of it. Including that husband, he will take care of it. Including that wife, he will take care of it. Concerning that child, he will take care of it. Concerning your education, he will take care of it. Concerning your finances, he will take care of it. Whatever is a weight on you, whatever is a burden on you, never let your persuasion about God be affected. Always stay fixed in your mind and in your heart. And always tell yourself, I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that everything that I've committed unto him, he is able to take care of it. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Number two, we must be persuaded about the love of God. 
we must be persuaded about the love of God. We read Romans chapter 8, verse 38 to 39. I want us to read it again, this time from the New Living Translation. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 to 39. He says, and I am convinced, which means I am persuaded... That nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life. Neither angels, nor demons. Neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, we must be convinced about how much God loves us. God loves us. Oh. I do not think that we have yet grasped even the minutest portion. Or that we, I, I don't think that we, we, we really, really, really understand the extent to which God loves us. He explains to us in his words that for God so loved the world. So loved. So loved. That means that he loved us with the greatest love that can ever be commanded by anybody. That's the extent to which God loves us. And he explains elsewhere, while we were yet sinners, he says, but God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, his love did not show up when we were good, when we were righteous, when we were perfect. That's not when his love showed up. His love showed up whilst we were yet sinners. Now, if he loved us that much while we were yet sinners, then ask yourself, then how much more would he love us now that we are his covenant children? I'm here to announce to somebody today that God loves you and never ever question the extent and the magnitude and the quantum of the love that God has for you. That love is so high that you can't get over it. That love is so low and deep that you can't get under it. That love is so wide that you can't get around it. It is a kind of love that passes all understanding. And we must be persuaded about how much God loves us. And that is the reason why no matter how low you sink, you can never get away from the love of God. Is it an excuse to continue in certain things? No. But never ever get to a point where you conclude that this one dear God will not want to have anything to do with me again. It is a lie from the pit of hell. And he says back to it says not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. There are 
times when Satan and the forces of darkness try to convince us that God doesn't love us anymore. And that is when they raise questions that you think God loves you. Oh, oh, he doesn't love you, Bia. If he loves you, would you still be single? If he loves you, after all the tithes and offerings that you have given, will you still be hustling like that? Can you see that you can't pay your rent? Oh, oh, he doesn't love you, Bia. It's like whenever a major disappointment shows up in your life, then the powers of hell also arise to try and convince you that God doesn't love you. And some of us have fallen for it. There are people who are going through the motions of serving God, coming to church and everything, but inside of them, they have concluded that God doesn't really love them. They tell themselves that he loves others, but he doesn't love me. Nothing can be further from the truth. My prayer for you is that you be persuaded about the love of God. And to help us to understand, Paul describes that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing means nothing. And he gives different possibilities and different scenarios. He said, neither height, go to 38 again, neither death, nor life. When a loved one dies, it doesn't mean that God has stopped loving you. When your husband dies, it doesn't mean that God has stopped loving you. When your father dies, it doesn't mean that God has stopped loving you. He said, neither death nor life. You know, there are some people when they start enjoying life in a certain way, they, they, they forget about God. But even that one cry, it doesn't separate the love of God from them. Nor angels, nor demons. Your fears for today, your worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Ladies and gentlemen, may we be persuaded about how much God loves you. And that love is a crazy love. It doesn't make sense. Why does he love us so much? Why? You can't even understand it. No more should you question the love of God for you. Don't question it anymore. Be persuaded that he loves you no matter what. People would always try to make you feel that because you missed it, because you went off, because you made a mistake, because you got it wrong, it means that God doesn't love you. God is no longer interested in you. God wouldn't want to do anything with you again. But I am persuaded. I said I am persuaded. I am persuaded that nothing can separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. 
may we remain convinced and persuaded about the love of God for us. Shout, I am persuaded. Hallelujah. Number three. We must be persuaded about the promises of God. We must be persuaded about the promises of God. Romans chapter 4 verse 20 to 21. Wakano Ebebe mo Irade wakano Ebebe mo Irade wakase Obe shiraye Obe shiraye Hamayaye This is a story about Abraham. The Bible says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. But was strong in faith. Giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he has promised he was able also to perform. He has promised he would never fail. I will adore him. I will adore him. He has promised and he will never fail. His faithfulness it's forevermore his faithfulness is forevermore he says that i am fully persuaded the bible is testifying of abraham that he was fully persuaded that what god had promised he was able also to perform that meant that he was persuaded about the promises of God. Hebrews 11 verse 13. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them. Did you notice that? And were persuaded of them. And were persuaded of them. And embraced them. And confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now this is talking about the men and women of old. Who had faith in God. Hebrews chapter 11. Is if you like the hall of fame of faith people. In that chapter of the Bible you will find a tall list of men and women. Who had faith in God. And the Bible is saying something about them. That they were persuaded concerning every promise that God had made to them. That God would make good on what he had said concerning them. Ladies and gentlemen. You and I must be persuaded about the promises of God. What promise has God made to you? What has he told you that he will do in your life? 
Anytime you pick your Bible to read and you come across a promise, know that it is a promise that God is directing at you. And you can appropriate it for yourself. Never ever think that certain things that you read about in your Bible were only intended for the people of those times. And so if you read Deuteronomy chapter 33, I believe, where Moses blesses the tribes of Israel. He says powerful things about each tribe. He says of Joseph that you will flourish, that you will prosper, that you, you, you become prince, you be crowned prince among your brethren and so on and so forth. Anytime you read these things, appropriate them for yourself. They are the promises of God. And be persuaded that every good thing that you read about in the word of God is also yours for the taking. Can I have an amen from somebody? Believe it. Be persuaded about the promises of God. Abraham was persuaded about the promises of God. And that is why even though it took 25 years for the promise of God to come to pass in his life, the Bible says he did not stagger. He did not. He was 75 years old when God told him that leave your country, leave your father's house and go to the land that I'm going to show you. And God said, that I'm, said to him that I'm going to make you the father of many nations. It took 25 years. How long have you been waiting for God for? Maybe someone asked him. How long? How long have you prayed about certain things for? How long have you fasted and waited on God for a specific thing in your life which you haven't yet seen? Has he read 25 years? Tell the person sitting by, if it's not read 25 years, wait a bit longer. <laughs> but listen to me, that is how long it took. And Abraham did not stagger. The Bible says he was fully persuaded about the promises of God. And I want to say to you, you must be fully persuaded about everything that God has said to you. Yes, it may have tarried. It, it's been a while and it hasn't yet been manifested in your life. But you must be persuaded. I am persuaded that God is going to do some great things with this church family. I am persuaded. I am persuaded. I am persuaded. I am persuaded that every promise that God has made to me and to us concerning this church, he will bring all to pass. I am fully persuaded. Our beginnings may be small. I was talking to somebody who was saying that, hey, if this one is even a small beginning, then the latter end, papa. But compared to what God is going to do and what God has promised to do in our lives, this is nothing. I am persuaded that every promise concerning this church family, God will bring it to pass. And nobody can stop it. I said nobody can stop it. They may try, but they can't stop it. They can't. And so I'm speaking to you and encouraging you today 
that be fully persuaded about the promises of God concerning your life. Be fully persuaded about them. Don't waver. Don't stagger. Don't give up. Because God is a covenant keeping God. And he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you have asked. And above all that you have imagined. Shout again, I am persuaded. Number four, you must be persuaded about the word of God. Be persuaded about the word of God. Luke chapter 16 verse 31. Luke 16, 31. And I want to read from the Amplified Bible. And don't tell me it's not there. Because the other time you told me it was not there, but it was there. Luke 16, 31. Amplified. Now, this story is about the conversation that the rich man who went to hell had with Abraham. You know the story of Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man, we don't know his name. But Lazarus, we, we, we know his name. Alright? Now, this rich man died and he went to hell. And in hell, whilst he was in torment, he, and he saw Abraham, um, what's his name? Lazarus afar off in Abraham's bosom. And he prayed that Abraham will send Lazarus to go and organize water and come and place it on his tongue. And all he asked for was a drop of water. There's a place when you end up there, even a drop of water is a luxury. That is hell. May none of us ever end up there in the name of Jesus. So he called Abraham that Abraham send Lazarus. You see, sometimes people forget that things have changed. They are used to sending people around. They say, I seen that guy that Lazarus. Tell him that I said he should organize water and bring it to me. Abraham said to him, hey, Papa, things have changed. Things have changed. Things are not the way they used to be before. Where you are, you don't just give instructions and say, hey, hey, he said, Lazarus cannot come anywhere. He said, please, and you let him go back or send somebody to go back to my, to my hometown to go and see my brothers. There are five of them. They are even wilder than I am. Maybe when they see somebody from the dead, they will change and become better. And look at what Abraham said to them. He said to him, if they do not hear and listen to Moses and the prophets. Now take note of that. Moses and the prophets. Another way of capturing, capturing that is the law and the prophet. When you put that together, you are referring to the word of God. Because in their time, the word of God was made up of the law and the prophets essentially the old testament that was the word of god and so when he says if they do not hear and listen to moses and the prophets what he's saying is that if they do not hear and listen to the word of god neither will they be persuaded and convinced and believe even if someone should rise from the dead in other words they should be persuaded and convinced about the word of god that is what Abraham was explaining to them. They must be persuaded and convinced about the word of God. Whether there is a miracle law, whether there is no miracle law, whether somebody arises from the dead or whether nobody rises, they must be persuaded and convinced about the word of God. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm charging you today. Be persuaded about God's word. Know the word. 
listen to the word, read the word of God and be convinced about what you are reading. And I'm talking about the word of God. Know it. Study it. Read it for yourself. And never again should you believe that you cannot read and understand the word of God for yourself unless somebody explains it to you. For your information, you have that somebody with you. He's called the Holy Spirit. And one of his roles in our lives is to help us to understand the word of God. Don't believe that your pastor has to be the one to always break down the word of God for you to understand. Thank God for our pastors. Thank God for the teachers of the word of God. They have a special place in our lives. But my friend, you have the greatest teacher ever living in the inside of you. If you can relate well with him and acknowledge him in your life and ask for his help. Anytime you pick your Bible to read, it will no longer be a sleeping tablet for you. Sleeping. It's like it's the sleeping tablet. And, and, and for some people, when they can't sleep, what they do is that they read their Bible. No, that's not the purpose of the, 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 the book of Obadiah. It's not a sleeping tablet or Leviticus. Yeah, Leviticus. But you can get to a point where when you read even these most difficult parts of the Bible, you can relate with them and get a revelation in them. And what I'm saying to you in essence is that you must be fully persuaded about the word of God. That it is the word of God. It is the word of God. It contains life. It contains health. It contains direction. It contains success. It contains wisdom. It contains knowledge. It contains revelation. It contains deliverance. You must be persuaded about the word of God. And the word of God should begin to mean something more to you than what you come to hear when you come to church on Sundays. On your own. In the privacy of your room. You should be able to have a deep intimate satisfying time with the holy spirit and with the word of god as you read his word for yourself may you come to that point in your life and may you be fully persuaded about the word of god can i hear your loudest amen number five you must be persuaded to continue in the grace of god be persuaded to continue in the grace of god acts chapter 13 verse 43 King James Version. Paul and Barnabas went to preach in Antioch. And after saying so many things, there were some of the Jews and the converts from the Gentile nations who followed Paul and Barnabas. So it says that now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas who, speaking to them, what did they do? I can't hear you folks. Persuaded them to do what? Continue in the grace of God. Look at the same verse from the Amplified Version of the Bible. And when the congregation of the synagogue dispersed, 
many of the Jews and the devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas who talked to them and urged them to continue. Now, this is why the Amplified Version is a, is a, is a very good translation. He's explaining what it means to continue. It says that it means to trust themselves to and stand fast. In what? In the grace, and he describes what that grace is. The unmerited favor and blessing of God. Ladies and gentlemen, we must be persuaded to continue in the grace of God. Never ever get to a point in your life where you think, I don't need grace no more. That I can do it by myself. That I'm intelligent enough. That I am smart enough. That I am strong enough. That I have enough strategies. I know all the secrets, all the principles, all the strategies to prosper and do well. I work very hard. I, I go on jogging every day so I can take care of my health. I can't jump here because of the, of the stage. But you see, there are times when people get to a point where they feel that everything just depends on me. Everything doesn't depend on you. When you write an exam and you pass very well, your response must be that it is by the grace of God. If you marry and things are going well in your marriage, your response must be it is by the grace of God. Don't say that because I'm a good husband. I take my wife out for dinner on anniversary, on her birthday, I buy ticket for her to go to Dubai. Uh, you will go to Dubai one of these days. You don't want to go to Dubai. You don't want to go to Dubai. You, when I said that, if you don't receive it, you will go to Anloga all the time. <laughs> I'm persuaded. It's not by your strength. It's not by your mind. It is by the grace of God. And we must continue in that grace. May we never get to a point where we talk in a certain way. Where you look at people and say, look at them, they are very lazy. They don't work hard. That's why things are not working well. When you talk in that way, you are equating your success and your victory to the hard work that you are doing. Come and see people who work hard. I will show you people who work hard. And see whether your prosperity is just linked to the hard work that you put in. It's not just about hard work. Hard work is important. Don't live here and say, uh, the pastor said that uh, uh, it's, it's not about hard work. It's not about learning. It's not about exercising. So, uh, that you know, uh, 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 it's just by the grace of God. So I won't work hard. I won't learn. I'll eat everything that I'm supposed to eat. Uh, this week we are continuing our fasting. Okay, so please, I'm reminding you. Listen. Learn to say, like Paul said, "I am what I am by the grace of God." May you be persuaded to continue in the grace of God. Lift up your hand and say, I will continue. I am persuaded to continue in the grace of God. Hallelujah. How many do you have? Five. What's the first one you have? You must be persuaded about God and everything we've committed unto him. Is that not so? Number two. We must be persuaded about the love of God. Number three. 
we must be persuaded about the promises of God that everything he has said concerning us, everything he has spelled out in his word, he will bring all to pass. Hallelujah. Number four, we must be persuaded about the word of God, believe in the word of God, be convinced about it, have an inward certainty concerning the word of God that it contains all the keys and the secrets to your victory and success in this life. And number five, we must be persuaded to continue in the grace of God. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm out of time, so I've got to bring it to an end here. One of these days, I shall continue and take you through the five other persuasions that we must have. Give Jesus a mighty hand clap. Tell three people, I am persuaded. Number two. Number three. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Father, for your word. And thank you for stirring us up today, Holy Spirit, through yes. the word of God. Yes, Lord. About certain persuasions that we must have. Yes. I pray, Holy Spirit, that when we waver, when we are struggling to believe in you, to believe in the promises of God, to believe in the word of God, to believe in the grace. May you help us to stabilize ourselves. May our convictions about you never change. May our determination to believe in you never be taken away from us. I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice who has been affected by one experience or the other and it's raised questions in their minds. Today, may all those questions disappear. In Jesus name. And in its place, may a persuasion and a conviction about the goodness of God, about the grace of God, about the mercies of God, take its place. Amen. I give you thanks and praise in Jesus' mighty name. And if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you must be persuaded about Jesus. Be persuaded that he loves you so much. Be persuaded that he wants to come into your life and make your life brand new. I want to pray with you today to surrender your life to Jesus. And if you want Jesus to become Lord and Savior of your life, can you please pray this prayer with me? Say, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. Today. Today. I come to you. I come to you. Just as I am. Just as I am. Oh God. Oh God. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. For all my sins. For all my sins. I believe. I believe. That Jesus. That Jesus. Came to die for me. Came to die for me. Today. Today. Out of my persuasion, out of my persuasion, I surrender my life. I surrender my life to Jesus. To Jesus, I make Him my Lord. I make Him my Lord and my Savior. And my Savior for the rest of my life. For the rest of my life, I will serve Him. I will serve Him and I will follow Him. And I will follow Him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for hearing my prayer. For hearing my prayer, I am saved. I am saved in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. We do hope that you were greatly blessed. For further inquiries, please call, WhatsApp, or send an SMS text to plus 233-243-886-622. 
God bless you.